Coming up, we've got a full election recap. We will celebrate a colossal victory for the Republicans. Huge win for President Trump. Every candidate endorsed by President Trump won their race on Election Day. There were several local races around the country that went Republican as well. They shot down in Minneapolis the uh, proposition to defund the to, to cancel to to eliminate the police department. And this this election was a disaster for the Democrats and of course for President Joe Biden. A total repudiation of Biden. This is catastrophic for the Democrat Party. And do not believe the bogus narrative that this election was only about Biden. Yes, it was about Biden. Yes, Democrat voters, independents, they can't stand Biden. He has exposed as a total failure. But don't try, don't believe this false narrative of the media that it's just because of Biden. People don't don't have a problem with the Democrat policies. They don't have a problem with the radical left hijacking the party. This was not about AOC and Elon Omar. It's just it's just Biden. It's all about Biden. No, that is to- the, the Democrats and the independents are very very outraged at the socialist hijacking of the Democrat Party. Yes, Biden is the worst president ever. Yes, his administration is a train wreck. But this election was really about something far deeper about the radical left trying to take over the country, about Democrats trying to take over the schools, government intrusion in our lives, eliminating the police. All of that is coming up. We are excited, as always, to be hosted by the VIN News Podcast Network, the VIN News Podcast Network. So we told you about the Biden administration wanting to pay illegals $450,000 apiece, $450,000, talking about families, specifically families that were separated at the border. And a listener pointed out, I said that each family would get $450,000 according to the plan. Now, it hasn't been finalized yet, and Biden denied it, but then they backtracked on it, and I will get to all of that in a moment. But uh, it's actually, as a listener pointed out, it's 450, the, the plan, again, it's not necessarily going to be this much. It might be. The plan is $450,000 per person, per family member, not per family, which is just a, either way, it's insane, but it's even more insane. Um, but either way, President Biden called the report garbage. The problem is the report appeared in the New York Times and in the Washington Post in addition to the Wall Street Journal, and yet Biden was asked about it by Fox News' Peter Ducey. President Biden said, oh, that report, that is garbage. Meanwhile, the ACLU insists that it's accurate because the ACLU was involved in the lawsuit where the families that were separated are suing the Biden administration uh, the, the, and the U.S. government. The White House now is walking back. Biden's denial, Biden calling it garbage. They're saying the story is accurate. And they're saying, well, Biden, when he called it garbage, Biden said it. He said it's garbage. We're going to play you the clip a little bit later in the show. Biden said that story's garbage. Biden said that uh, it's never going to happen, payments of 450000 And it's very clear that Biden was dismissing the whole story. But now the White House is trying to convince us because it obviously clearly is really happening. Something that maybe not that amount of money, but some very large, massive settlement. So... The White House says Biden just meant the amount of money. When he called it garbage, he just meant that it's a different dollar amount. But it's very clear from the clip that's not what Biden was saying. So either Biden was unaware uh, of this, which he's unaware of many things. I suspect sometimes he's unaware of his own name. Or maybe Biden was lying. Both are equally feasible. So we will get to all of that. In Philadelphia, cops can no longer 
pull over drivers for minor traffic infractions, for minor traffic violations. Yes, police, it is now illegal for police. This is a new law signed in Philadelphia. It is illegal for police to pull over uh, drivers for minor traffic stops. It's called the driving equality law. They're claiming that it's racist. They're claiming that it's racist for police to be allowed to pull people over for broken taillights and that sort of thing. I mean, Philadelphia, they're a radical left socialist city. They literally don't prosecute crime anymore at all in Philadelphia for the most part. In other words, uh, the, the DA, the, who was who was funded by George Soros, his, his, his campaign, the DA in Philadelphia is so radically left that there are criminals who are just roaming free in Philadelphia, not getting indicted or prosecuted. So now this new law ends traffic stops for, for violations like broken taillights and, and expired inspection stickers. And the radicals left is claiming that the police use these minor traffic violations to target people of color. They use it to target people of color. By the way, if this is true... Don't make it illegal for the cops to pull people over for minor traffic violations. Just uh, enforce it better with the cops. Just get the cops to change. You know, don't, don't tell the cops that they cannot target people based on their race. But this is about something much deeper because the, the cops aren't really targeting drivers based on race. They're, tr- they're targeting drivers based on who's most likely to commit the crimes. So the council member, the Philadelphia city council member behind the law, Isaiah Thomas, he said this was necessary because they need to end traffic stops that promote discrimination rather than public safety. So he is safety. So essentially he's saying that this is racism and discrimination for cops to pull people over due to a broken taillight or uh, an, an expired inspection sticker. He said, quote, this Isaiah Thomas, I breathe a sigh of relief that my sons and my friends' children will grow up in a city where being pulled over is not a rite of passage but a, me- but a measure of the safety of your driving regardless of the skin color of the driver. So I have a color. let me just say this to Councilman Isaiah Thomas. Number one, just don't violate the law and your kids will not be pulled over. If you don't want to be pulled over, it's very simple. Make sure your taillight is not busted. Make sure that your inspection is not expired and just don't violate the traffic violation, the traffic infraction, and you will not get pulled over. I don't care what race you are. And if you are pulled over unlawfully, then you could sue. Number two, Police use these laws to pull over dangerous criminals. Here's the here's the part that what this is really all about. Here is that the reason police number one. I mean, if somebody commits a traffic violation, cops have every right to pull them over. But I've been pulled over for a broken taillight. By the way, you you usually have 24 hours to get it repaired, and then you don't you actually don't even have to pay the fine. But like I've gotten pulled over many times for a broken taillight or a taillight that was out or something, and it, it, it's very simple. You just Get pulled over, deal with it. What's the big deal? But the other part of this is that cops, they can't just pull somebody over for looking suspicious. That's illegal. That's like unlawful search and seizure or whatever. You know, you need a warrant to search somebody's car or even to pull somebody over. You need some sort of basis. So what they do is cops, a lot of times, they'll use these minor traffic violations because that can actually lead them to somebody to find in criminals, whether it's drug dealers or other people with weapons, other sorts of uh, criminals. And and, and uh, number three, there's a reason that they have these rules, by the way. You know, there is a reason, a, a, an expired inspection sticker, right? When they inspect the car, they check the brakes. They check the tires. You know, they're checking parts of the car. They're checking emissions, too. That's environmental stuff. That doesn't bother me. But they also are checking whether the car is safe. So if a car hasn't been inspected in a year or two, then the police want to know that because it could be driving around an unsafe car. But how about a broken taillight, the taillight, the brake light, for example? 
brake light is used to let cars behind you know that you're braking. If the brake lights are out, that could be very dangerous. So there's actually a reason. I know, you know, this Isaiah Thomas, the city councilman, he thinks it's all about racism. These law, Not every law is racist, believe it or not. And whites also have broken taillights and get pulled over, like myself. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, the, the, literally, they'll have you believe that, like, oh, the cops are all racist and they use these traffic infractions as an excuse to pull over people of color. Meanwhile, according to data provided, and what they're doing now is handcuffing the cops, making it impossible for the police to do their job and allowing more criminals to drive around. Because as I said, this was a means for police to, 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 to find criminals who are driving around in their cars. According to data provided, I don't believe this data, but according to data provided to NBC News by this Isaiah Thomas's office, this Philly city councilman, 72% of black Philly residents were pulled over by police during a 12-month period. 72% of blacks. That's, I don't even believe that 72% of blacks are driving around Philadelphia. A lot of, a lot of African Americans and whites in Philadelphia use the, use public transportation. So this is, <clears throat> Very difficult number to believe. And they say nearly all of those stops were for violations that did not warrant a ticket. And Thomas's office said that guns or illegal drugs were found in less than 1% of the stops. By the way, that's a misleading statistic. Less than 1%, that could still be a lot. I mean, if there are tens of thousands of traffic stops made, maybe, I don't know how many cops there are, maybe hundreds of thousands of traffic stops made in Philly. So 1%, I mean, you're talking about, what, 1,000, 500, 1,000, 2,000 traffic stops where they find um guns, weapons, or drugs in these cars. That's a very, very big deal. But as I said, this is not a racist, even if you tell me that cops predominantly pull over blacks versus whites, it's not racist because they're targeting, remember Michael Bloomberg said this years ago when he was mayor of New York, police are targeting um, the areas where the crime takes place. There's a reason that police generally don't target high-end wealthy neighborhoods. I don't care if it's a white neighborhood or a black neighborhood. It's it's about preventing crime. All right, let's get to the election here. Huge win. It is time to celebrate. And, and again, this is maybe a precursor to the 2022 midterm elections. Kamala Harris, more than once, is quoted as there are clips of Kamala Harris saying, as Virginia goes, so goes the House, so goes Congress next year. She said that the results that we see in Virginia, she said this before the election, the results we see in Virginia... Uh, will very likely determine the results that we will see in the midterm elections in terms of Congress. So this is just, she, you know, she, and now they're going to be playing it all over you know, to, to basically show that the country is swinging. I mean, there is a red wave happening. The country is swinging. The pendulum is swinging way heavily toward the Republicans. Kamala predicted it herself. So, of course, uh, in Virginia, we've got Youngkin, Glenn Youngkin, uh, with this major, major upset over Terry McAuliffe, New Jersey, um, the AP has called the New Jersey rate, uh, race for Phil Murphy, the Democrat. However, it's not over yet. Uh, the the uh, Cittarelli, J- Jack Cittarelli, the Republican in, in New Jersey, has not conceded. But I don't, I don't care. I do care because I, I, it would be amazing for New Jersey to swing blue, uh, to swing red, I should say, not blue. But uh, if uh, even if Cittarelli loses, the fact that New Jersey was this close—I mean, you're talking about a difference of a few thousand votes. That spells disaster uh, in the midterms for the Democrats. New Jersey should have been a cakewalk. It should have been a landslide by Phil Murphy. And I know Murphy was a disaster with COVID and they raised taxes. And a lot of people in New Jersey are very, very angry at Phil Murphy. And he's a radical. But it's still New Jersey, uh, historically speaking, it should have been a no-brainer. And Phil Murphy outspent Cittarelli by many millions of dollars. Now, 
as I said, President Trump went four for four. Trump's endorsements, four, he, he endorsed four candidates around the country, all for one. Biden went 0 for four. So Trump endorsed Glenn Youngkin, of course. Trump endorsed Mike Carey, the winner of a special election in Congress for Ohio's 15th congressional district. Trump endorsed Vito Fasella, uh, who won the race for borough president in Staten Island. And uh, Trump endorsed Steve Bovo, uh, who won the campaign for mayor of Hialeah, Florida. Uh, by the way, Trump, for whatever reason, did not endorse Cittarelli. You wonder if that would have put Cittarelli over the top. But for whatever reason, Trump endorsed Cittarelli. Um, Biden, Joe Biden, went 0 for 4. Um, Biden endorsed four Democrat candidates. Of course, Biden endorsed Terry McAuliffe. Obama endorsed Terry McAuliffe as well. That didn't go very well. Uh, Biden endorsed Democrat Lieutenant Governor candidate Hala Ayala, Democrat Attorney General candidate Mark Herring, all of whom lost to Republicans. Biden endorsed Democrat Allison Russo in Ohio's 15th Congressional District. She lost by over 17 points. The Trump's candidate in Ohio. So you cannot make this stuff up. Trump 4 for 4, Biden 0 for 4. Um, so this election, this was a massacre of the Democrats. As I said, don't believe the media. Don't believe the Democrats. They're going to tell you, oh, well, yeah, because Biden, he's got a he's got a weak record. It's about Afghanistan. It's about the border. No, 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 no. And by the way, there's this other narrative, which Ocasio-Cortez is trying to pull, which is we knew this was going to – we told you this was going to be the narrative, and this is – Beyond absurd, oh, it's because the Democrats, they didn't swing far left enough. The Democrats weren't radical enough. If the Democrats had been even more socialist, if the Democrats had been even further to the left, I mean, the radical left was decimated here in this election. And yet some of these socialists are trying to say we should have been even more socialist. Then we would have won. We should have passed the three and a half trillion dollar spending package. We should have passed the infrastructure bill. Um, before the election. I mean, I would have loved, and even Biden said this, even Biden said, oh, we should have passed that bill before the election. I would have loved for them to pass these socialist programs before the election because then it would have been, I don't even know if it's possible for the Democrats to be more socialist than they already are. I mean, they're, they're extremely socialist already, but if they had been even more socialist prior to this election, I mean, Youngkin would have won 70-30, 80-20, who knows? But that's Ocasio-Cortez, Ocasio-Cortez, She's saying, well, this is what happens to moderates, what happened in Virginia. She's saying we weren't socialist enough, L literally. <clears throat> uh, Ocasio-Cortez, she says that the reason Glenn Youngkin won <clears throat> the governor's race is because Terry McAuliffe ran a 100% super-moderated campaign that did not energize the progressive base. I mean, she obviously doesn't understand anything about Virginia at all. In an Instagram post, here's what Ocasio said, quote, on the election front, I actually think we have good news. I know Virginia was a huge bummer. And honestly, I think that the results show the limits of trying to run a fully 100% super moderated campaign that does not excite, <clears throat> speak to, or energize a progressive base. And frankly, we were not even really invited to contribute in that race. End quote. Yeah, you weren't invited because <clears throat> the reason people couldn't stand McAuliffe is because they perceived him as being too radically left in the first place. You going down there would have been a huge liability. Um, Biden said that if they had passed the Build Back Better bill, or as I like to call it, the Bankrupt the Kids bill, he said that would have helped. Oh, boy, do I wish that they had passed it prior to the election. But, I mean, it's so easy. And, and, and look, as I said, they're, they're trying to say it's about Biden. But, I mean, this was a total rejection of Democrat policies. And forgetting the ideology of it, forgetting, you know, the socialist mentality of 
Let's take all the money from the big corporations. Let's give it to all the minorities. Let's encourage people not to work. Let's invade people's personal lives. Let's control people's lives. Big government gets bigger. Let's raise taxes. Let's increase spending. Forgetting all that, people are just terrified. People are terrified. I mean, look at Virginia. Terry McCall, if he regretted it later, he tried everything he could to walk it back, to put it into context. The clip speaks for itself, and Terry McAuliffe basically said parents have no right to tell schools how they should be educating their kids or what they what, what types of curriculums they should be educating the kids with. And McAuliffe, he's going to regret that for the rest of his life. Listen to this clip. Veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it, also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually you take books out and make their own decisions. You vetoed it. So... Yeah, I stopped the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. But, you know, I get really tired. There you have it. I mean, there's no context that could justify. I I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should be teaching their kids. I mean, he said it, and what a dumb thing to say, and he realized that later. And they, and they play, Youngkin played this over and over again, all the ads, and Virginia Democrats and Virginia Independents heard those words and said, what on earth has become of this party? This Democrat party, we don't believe that parents have a right to tell schools what they should be teaching their own children. This is the Democrat party in 2021, and this clip is not going to go away. They're going to keep playing this clip because you know why? Why did Terry McAuliffe say this, by the way? Terry McAuliffe said that parents have no right uh, telling schools what to teach their kids because Terry McAuliffe believes it, because Democrats believe that the government knows better than the parents what they should be teaching the kids. There's another factor, of course, which is Democrats are beholden to the teachers' unions. And as I always say, the teachers' unions are diametrically opposed to the kids, right? The teachers' union's agenda is the exact opposite of the kids' agenda, of the students, of the parents, of the families. So what happens is teachers are better off when the kids perform worse in school. Yes, because the teachers' unions, they want to ensure that teachers are never fired. They want to protect teachers who are abusive. They want to protect teachers who are mediocre and incompetent. Uh, Teachers' unions, they place race and politics above education. They resist any sort of accountability. They resist standardized testing like the plague. In other words, they refuse to allow teachers to be judged based on performance. So like if they see a teacher, every year half the teacher's class flunks because the teacher has no idea how to teach, it doesn't matter. The teacher has tenure and the teacher gets to keep teaching and basically it's impossible to get fired and they're never going to say, well, let's judge teachers based on results. Let's judge teachers based on performance, based on how well they teach. No, 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 no. The teachers unions insist no matter how badly kids do, the teacher's going to get a raise and then another raise year after year, get a fat pension get amazing benefits, and never, ever get fired. So is that is that what's in the best interest of the children? Is that what's in the best interest of the students? The fact that we tell the teacher, listen, doesn't matter how bad you do, the union's got your back, you're never going to get fired, the Democrats have your back, you're never going to get fired. But aside from that, Terry McAuliffe, you know in that clip, in, a, in addition to the fact that he said, we're not going to let parents come in to tell schools what to do, uh, and pandering to the unions and everything else, do you know he sounded arrogant? He sounded arrogant, like... We're not going to let parents. I'm so tired of this. We're going to let parents come in. We're not going to let parents come in. I mean, because we know better. That's the Democrat. That is the bottom line. That's what this election was about. Democrats, the government, they always think we know better. We're going to mandate things. We're going to tell you how to live your life. And you better listen because we're the government. We know better. 
uh, leftist, and they believe it. They actually believe it. That's why, how can McCullough say something that was so harmful to himself politically? They do this all the time because they don't even, they're in a bubble. They don't even realize how, 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 how radical they sound and how much they're going to turn people off. Meanwhile, Juan Williams, the leftist pundit, he put out an op-ed claiming that parents' rights is a code word for racial politics. So again, talk about these radical leftists in living in a dream world, drinking their own Kool-Aid. Juan Williams put out an op-ed. He says when they claim it's about parents' rights, talking about Republicans, it's really about racism and racist politics, and parents' rights is a racist concept. This is what he's saying. Parents actually want the right to decide their kid's education. No, that's just that, that's really racist. That's what Juan Williams is saying. He called it a culture war. Here's an excerpt from Williams's op-ed quote. It is a campaign to stop classroom discussion of Black Lives Matter protests or slavery because it could upset some children, especially white children, who might feel guilt, end quote. And then he says, this movement is not about parents. It's about exciting the far-right base by stirring up racial division. If it works, Republicans will have reason to continue down this dark path to winning elections. So Juan Williams says... Don't believe them. Republicans are claiming that they want parents' rights. They don't really want parents' rights. This is not about parents' rights. This is about stopping classroom discussion of BLM protests and slavery because it could upset. So parents' rights doesn't mean parents' rights. It means racism. It means racism because the whites are against the blacks. So they call it parents' rights. What's he talking about? Parents' rights is because parents want to decide what their kids are going to be learning. And they don't want their the, 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 the schools indoctrinating these kids with radical leftist socialist policies and with critical race theory and all these other very, very radical, anti-white, racist, against-white curriculums. That's what this is really about. All right, New Jersey State Senate, did you hear about this? A truck driver in the New Jersey State Senate race, there was a massive upset where a Republican truck driver defeated one of the most powerful men in all of New Jersey's state senate, one of the most powerful men in New Jersey, period. And this Republican truck driver, he spent a total of $163 on his campaign. And this is, again, in New Jersey. Uh, this was the president of the Senate Democrat was Steve Sweeney. He has held the seat since 2002. I mean, you, the, the, this was like the upset of the century here where this truck driver literally unseated a man who has held his seat since 2002. He's been president of the New Jersey State Senate since 2010, this is literally, I believe, the longest-serving president of the New Jersey State Senate ever, and one of the most powerful men in Trenton. This is a colossal upset. As I said, it's not just a red wave. It's a tidal wave. This is a red typhoon. Truck driver Edward Durr um, won by at least a couple of thousand votes. I think Sweeney hasn't officially conceded yet, but Edward Durr is the winner here, a margin of nearly 4%. Um, as I said, Durr spent, I don't know if it was, I think $153, $163. Most of that money he spent on paper flyers and on food from Dunkin' Donuts. You cannot make this stuff up. As, as I mentioned, the city of Minneapolis shot down a proposal to eliminate the police, to eliminate the police. Remember, this got a lot of, uh, gained a lot of popularity after the George Floyd death and, and, and murder and George Floyd protests ensued in Minneapolis, they were basically going to replace the police with social workers. I mean, it was the dumbest idea ever where they wanted to eliminate the police department in Minneapolis and replace them basically with a bunch of social workers. Oh, yeah, because we want social workers to be the ones trying to keep the city safe. 
So <clears throat> that proposal was shot down. Meanwhile, Seattle, another very, very interesting race in Seattle, big upset there, Bruce Harrell beat Lorena Gonzalez. Now, in Seattle, it's not really Democrat versus Republican. They just have, they have different, it's like a non-denominational race where they have different candidates. But Harrell was the law and order candidate. So the law and order candidate beat the leftist socialist candidate, Lorena Gonzalez. Harrell's platform, he ran on strengthening the police in Seattle and cracking down on the homeless. And remember, Seattle's where they had that chop zone, where literally, like, they kicked the police out of, like, this nine square block area or something like that in Seattle, the chop zone where, like, literally police were not allowed in for months. I mean, so Seattle, that's a radically left city, and yet they elected the law and order candidate, again, because the pendulum is swinging in favor of the police. I know that sounds shocking. Harrell's message was he said he would improve policing by spending more as opposed to defunding, and he's going to take a more forceful approach to removing public homeless encampments and um, – that Bruce Harrell was the candidate who won the race in Seattle. Um, by the way, Mayor Durkin in Seattle was extremely unpopular, and she stepped down. Uh, so Seattle is one of many liberal cities where they chose law and order over anarchy, chose I- I- increasing the funding to police versus defunding the police. All right, a big arrest has been made in the Durham probe, in the John Durham probe, and uh, some people are calling this a bombshell. Look, I want Durham to arrest one of the big names, I want him to arrest Lisa Page or Peter Strzok or Andrew McCabe or James Comey. Is it going to happen? I don't know. That whole FISA abuse, the Spygate, everything else. I mean, uh, all of them, all of them are so corrupt and so guilty. But look, maybe this is a good sign. Maybe it's going to stop here. So far, none of the arrests have been on anybody that we actually have heard of. But this is the biggest one yet in the Durham probe, a Russian who was the primary source of Christopher Steele's bogus discredited dossier. He was arrested for lying to federal investigators. Igor Donchenko, he's being charged with five counts of making false statements to the FBI. He's a Russian, but he lives in Virginia. And the charges stem from statements Donchenko made relating to the sources he used in providing information um, to the Steele dossier. Donchenko um, is a non-Russian-based contract employee of Christopher Steele's firm, um, he's not a Russian official. He never has been a Russian Russian official. And it seems he just made up information and then gave it to Steele and basically told Christopher Steele he was making it up. There's dirt on Trump that supposedly um, I- I- insinuated some, card of, some sort of Trump-Russia collusion, which was li- literally made up. Uh, a declassified document released by the Senate Judiciary Committee last year said the information that was provided to Christopher Steele by his subsource, primary subsource, was second and third hand information, rumors at best, and the document revealed that Steele's primary subsource, Donchenko, disagreed with and was surprised by how information that he gave to Steele was conveyed by Steele in the dossier. Even the AP admits that this indictment is a bombshell. Listen to this quote from the AP. The indictment, the third criminal case brought by Durham, second in two months, is likely to boost complaints from Trump allies that well-connected Democrats worked behind the scenes to advance suspicions about Trump and Russia that contributed to the FBI's election year investigation. So essentially, what, what this indictment – and by the way, this, they, may want, they may offer Donchenko a deal where he'll then go and, 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 and uh, cooperate with, with John Durham and then um, – reveal damaging secrets about the Hillary Clinton campaign or about the Obama DOJ, the FBI, James Comey, McCabe, etc. So we've got to wait and see. But essentially what they're saying is the AP is basically conceding 
you know, that what, what we've been telling you for years, which is that Hillary and the Steele dossier were all in cahoots to try to discredit Trump and, and, and to try to advance the myth, the falsehood that Trump colluded with Russia to, tr- to try to delegitimize Trump as a candidate and then as a president. All right, so there was a climate conference. You can't make this stuff up. There was a climate conference in Scotland. Uh, and you know that 400 private jets were flown into Scotland for the climate conference. Yeah, leaders, world leaders and representatives were flown into Scotland. 400 of them landed in their private jets. They're private jets that are terrible, terrible for the environment, that are loaded with you know, all sorts of fuels and emissions that are harmful to the environment. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. Meanwhile, Joe Biden said that China made a big mistake by not coming to the climate conference. No, China didn't. China does this every time they get away with it. China's outsmarting everybody because how did China make a big mistake? They're not going to get punished. I mean, if they can spread a pandemic throughout the world, kill millions of people and not get punished, then not showing up at the climate conference is not going to hurt them one bit. And it benefits them because they're laughing because countries like the United States and European countries, they're uh, volunteering to put into place all these climate restrictions What's that going to do? That's just going to be costly, and it's just going to crush businesses. So these businesses uh, and commerce gets harmed by these climate restrictions. And basically, what does that do? That bolsters China. That helps China's economy because uh, the United States and Europe, they're hurting their own economies with these climate restrictions. China says we're not involved. So China doesn't do anything to help the environment. China, they're, they're ter- their, their businesses are terrible for the environment. They have virtually no climate restrictions at all in China, and they get ahead of all these other countries that put these costly restrictions into place. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is blaming OPEC. This is comical. Joe Biden is blaming OPEC and Russia for surging gas prices in the United States. I mean, gas prices are astronomical. By the way, there's another clip uh, going around to the energy secretary laughing it off, laughing it off on Bloomberg. Um, and uh, she sounds like Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake, when they ask her about these surging soaring gas prices around the country and she just laughs oh well there's no magic pill it's about OPEC it's not about me there's nothing I can do and she just sounds so out of touch Kamala Harris also every time they ask her a tough question she laughs it off which is very unappealing anyway so Biden blamed OPEC and Russia for surging gas prices well here's the problem number one what about all the pipelines in the United States that that Biden shut down I mean what about the Keystone oil pipeline I mean don't blame OPEC I'd say OPEC's not uh, not manufacturing enough oil when the United States is not manufacturing enough oil and Biden actually control the United States and can control it and, and, and he's actually limiting the United States' own oil supply and gas supply. Number two, everything is surging. If it were just gas and oil prices surging, you could blame OPEC. But like the price of groceries is out of control. I mean, prices on all sorts of supplies in the United States is out of control. So clearly it has not, it, it, it's not even about prices going up. It's about the dollar. The dollar is tanking thanks to Biden. And as I said, Biden was asked about the plan to give families who are separated at the border uh, $450,000 to each family member. So listen to this clip. As you were leaving for your overseas trip, there were reports that were surfacing that your administration is planning to pay illegal immigrants who are separated from their families at the border up to $450,000 each, possibly a million dollars per family. Do you think that that might incentivize more people to come over illegally? If you guys keep sending that garbage out, yeah, but it's not true. So this is a garbage report? Yeah. Okay. So $450,000 per person. Is that what you're saying? That was separated from a family member at the border under, under the last administration. 
That's not going to happen. Okay. So uh, now the, the the White House is actually walking this thing back, and they're saying that no, Biden never actually meant that the entire story was garbage. He just meant the dollar amount because it's going to be a different dollar amount. Clearly, this story is accurate. It was reported by the journal, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, the New York Times. And again, did Biden even know about it? We'll never know. Who knows? He might have been lying about it. He may have never been informed about it. But here's the thing. Clearly, Biden did not mean – I mean he's calling it garbage. He's saying it's never going to happen. If he meant, well, it's only $300,000 or it's only $150,000, I mean he wouldn't have responded the way he responded. So that's very clear. Meanwhile, the White House, as I said, walked back Biden's comments um, clarifying that the government is willing to settle out of court. Here's a quote from White House Principal Deputy uh, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, quote, if it saves taxpayer dollars and puts the disastrous history of the previous administration's use of zero tolerance and family separation behind us, the president is perfectly comfortable with the DOJ settling uh, with individuals and families currently in litigation with the U.S. government. Um, but as I said, Biden is very clear that that's not what he meant. All right, that's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.